Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. That the Pats are going through some hard times. Quite frankly, they look like one of the worst teams in the NFL, both from a roster construction standpoint and just the product they put on the field and the record they've gotten because of it. In addition to that, Mac Jones has struggled. Uh, It's obviously not on him when something is this bad, like the Patriots offense. It's usually because of a lot of different things. Uh, But at the same time, you have to acknowledge that Mac Jones has significantly regressed and the Patriots might be looking at getting a new quarterback next season. So I'm not as up to date as I want to be on CFB. You know, this is my first year on the beat. I'm still trying to balance everything. So to fill in the gaps in my brain, I brought in the help of my good buddy, Alex Barth. You all know him. You all love him. And he's going to be talking about the quarterbacks, the top quarterbacks in uh, the upcoming draft class, how they did last week, and give a little preview on what they have coming up on the horizon and some more little surprises baked in. But before we get started, Alex, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You know, it's funny. I going back to when I did Patriots beat with Evan, I always wanted to talk more about college football during the season and not just around the draft. And now it's gotten here and I don't necessarily love the circumstances under which it's happening, but you know, I'd rather Patriots be winning and this not be an issue. But like you said, regardless of where Mac Jones is at at this point, his rookie contract's just about up next year is the Mm -hmm. last year of his deal. And then it becomes, do you want to pay him or not? And generally when you pay the quarterback, you already have a core around him and you're kind of just cementing him as that final piece of your roster. The Patriots obviously do not have that core. So it does seem like they need to go back to the well, back into that carousel, get that rookie contract again, reset. So they have the flexibility to put the pieces around the position. It's a good year to need to do it. Mm-hmm. I, this is a good quarterback class. Maybe not quite as good as we thought, maybe month, month and a half ago, but there's still a lot of talent here and it's been a fun group to watch. And it, I think it'll continue to be a fun group to watch through the draft. Absolutely. And this weekend was pretty fun. We saw a lot of these guys actually go head to head. The first quarterback that we're going to be talking about is Michael Penix Jr. of number five ranked Washington. Beat Oregon 36 to 33 and Penix went 22 for 37 with 307 yards, four touchdowns and an interception that wasn't on him. The receiver fell down. Uh, Leading receiver was Romeo Odunze, eight catches, 128 yards, two touchdowns, and Jalen Polk was behind him with six catches for 118 yards and one touchdown. This upcoming week, Penix Jr. is going to be going up against Arizona State, so not a ranked opponent. Maybe don't put as much draft stock in this game as you did last week, but what are your thoughts on both how he performed and what he's got coming up? Yeah, I mean, he he was awesome. And you mentioned some of these guys going head-to-head, and we'll talk about Bo Nix as well. But I think the big mm-hmm. thing for me is the defense they're facing. And Oregon came in against some good opponents, having already faced some good opponents. Fifth-ranked defense in the nation in terms of scoring. Fifth-ranked defense in the nation in terms of passing yards against. And Penix kind of carved them up. Now, Romo Dunze, who you mentioned, was a big part of it. I think my biggest takeaway from this game was Odunze was the best player on the field. 
And I think there's a real argument to be made in what's a very good wide receiver class. There's an argument to be made that he's the second best receiver in this class behind Marvin Harrison Jr. Nobody's catching MHJ. That's just not going to happen. But as for Penix, I think this game was a great example of what he does well. Very good pocket presence. He will throw into the blitz. He's not afraid to take a hit to get rid of the football and make a play. Outstanding arm talent. He's putting the ball on receivers down the field, all over the field. He'll throw in the middle. He'll throw to the numbers. He'll throw to the sidelines. He can do all of that. So I think you saw him check just about every box you would want him to realistically check in this game. To me, right now, there's three quarterbacks that are first round locks. Caleb Williams, obviously, who will get to Drake May, who will get to Michael Penix in a game like this. That he he played like a first round quarterback. I know one of the big knocks on. I mean, there's two: the injuries, the injury history is an issue. I'm comfortable with it. I, I you're never going to have a perfect prospect. The other yeah. one's his age. He's going to be 24 years old. I think he turns 24 the week after the draft next year. He'll be 24 by the time his rookie training camp starts. That's old. That's old for rookie, especially a quarterback. But when you look at a guy, and yes, I hate that I'm saying 24 is old, but I, I, that's a sport. It's the sport. That's right. When you have a guy like that, the question is like, here's the big difference to me. One of the big differences between him and Knicks, because Knicks will also be 24 years old when camp starts. Bo Nix needs to be better. He's mm. good, but for him to be an NFL quarterback, there, there's he needs to grow in areas that you maybe don't grow at 24 years old. I'm pretty comfortable where Michael Penix is right now. I don't know that you're looking necessarily too much towards his ceiling. I think his floor is on par with a guy like Drake May. Williams is a little bit better, but I think his floor is on par with a guy like Drake May. The difference is Drake May is 21 years old, and he's just going to grow a little bit more physically, whereas Michael Penix is probably maxed out. He's in a good spot Mm -hmm. physically. People are going to hear that and say, oh, the high floor quarterback, that was Mac Jones. No, this is a little different. Mm-hmm. Penix still brings some of that physical element, some of that arm talent that Mac Jones didn't have. I like him better as a prospect than I liked Mac Jones as a prospect coming out. But he kind of showed in that game again the throws he was making. He's making NFL throws in that game where I see him and I say, okay, I get that maybe his ceiling's a little limited at 24, but. If Drake May, Caleb Williams are off the board, no, this is a guy I'm comfortable taking in the first round because he's going to be able to step in, I think, week one and make plays at the NFL level. Absolutely. And the age doesn't scare me as much because, one, he's not a quarterback that relies on his athleticism. He's a pocket guy where as long as you keep him healthy, you should be okay. And I think the better way to think about age in the NFL, and at the same time, like a guy 21 versus 24 is significant, but you're still going to get him for two three contracts if he's your franchise guy and you want to keep him around because quarterbacks are playing well into their mid thirties. So it's not like as scary as, okay, this guy's going to be gone after his first, maybe halfway through his second deal. I think he's in a pretty good position as long as this is the other thing where like Penix Jr. is somebody that you put him on the Patriots. I think they look a lot different to a degree, but at the same time, He's someone that you're going to have to support because one, like you mentioned, the injury history, you got to make sure this isn't someone who's taken big hits like we saw Mac Jones take throughout last year that now he's afraid of taking this year. And you saw what he could do with those outstanding talents on the outside. Like if you surround this guy with talent, yeah, you got yourself a potential playoff quarterback, maybe a Pro Bowl quarterback. But at the same time, it kind of brings, if you're looking at this from a Patriots perspective, brings it back to, all right, but if he's the guy that you're picking top off the board, then you better have done some real good work in free agency to make sure that he's protected and has at least one guy that he can really grow with. I will say this about Penix. You talk about, you know, 
you don't need to worry as much about you know him aging with his mobility. He used to be a runner. He was. Right, and he, right. He, he tours ACL twice when he was at Indiana, 2018, 2020, and he kind of just stopped. He can still make plays with his legs if he needs to. He doesn't, and it's probably for the best he doesn't. But I, look, you're and even like before, you know, the ACL definitely cut in his mobility a little bit. I don't think he's a guy you're ever going to design runs for. Right, but like a Dak Prescott type. Right. Yeah, it's you know what it's funny. It's it's been really tough trying to come up with a comp for Michael Penix. I feel kind of good about my comps for the other guys in this class. Like the best I can come up with for Michael Penix is like a less mobile prime Russell Wilson. Mm. Like the arm, the you arm like his deep ball that much? Yeah, I really do. Like the arm okay. reminds, and maybe you can kind of help me with this, Taylor. Kind of bridge this. Like he. The, the pocket, like like the way he adjusts within the pocket, I, I hate to, you know, he moves well within the pocket like some guys you see like a Joe Burrow, right? Where Joe Burrow's mm-hmm. not mobile, but he'll move around. But then the arm talent and maybe it's the size too. He's a little on the smaller side at, at 6'3". Like the arm talent reminds me of Russell Wilson where he just slings that thing. And even on the short throws, the accuracy, the zip on the ball, he can use that to make plays as well. So... Mm. There's a, a a little bit of Joe Burrow, a little bit of Russell Wilson, but I I don't know. I have trouble maybe between all that. And this is I'm talking ceiling here. I'm not saying he's going to automatically come out and be this guy. Maybe putting those two together, you can think of a name. But I'm I'm kind of lost on a guy for Michael Penix because I think his skill set's really unique. I would say I said Dak, and now I kind of I kind of like that just because I think he's more accurate than Dak. Okay. Okay. And yeah. that's the thing. I feel like that's where, when Dak, that's what I was going to say. Like when Dak is at his best, like I'm thinking okay. like Dak against the Patriots a couple years back where like, was he perfect? No, but he's putting it on guys. And like, he's being that guy where he's a distributor who also has just enough physical ability to make plays. And I feel like in terms of like him being able to be a bit of a commander before the snap, I'm not sure that he's there quite yet, but if it's a 24 year old guy, he's got experience. He's more mature. I feel like that's a slot where you can put him in. Now, again, you're the expert. I haven't yeah. done my, you know, deep film dives or anything. That's why I got you, buddy. But well, I, I do see like, him in that in a similar vein. Mm-hmm. It is still early. Like there is still he, he's gonna. So you talk about the game this week, Arizona State. I don't think Arizona State's fine. He should carve them up. If he doesn't, I'm gonna be worried. Mm-hmm. He's got Utah in two weeks, and mm-hmm. Utah runs as complex a defense you'll find outside of the SEC in college football. That is a borderline NFL kind of defense stylistically. We'll get to what they've done to Caleb Williams the last two years. It hasn't been, they haven't been polite to Caleb Williams. We'll put it that way. So like, let's see what he does to them. That's the next step. (laughs) Somebody in the chat said a better Tyrod Taylor. Not, not quite. He's not nearly as mobile and has a much better arm. He's a tough player to to nail down. Honestly, maybe this is lazy because they're both Washington guys. And this is a real stretch. Again, this is how far I have to go to find a comp. What Jake Locker was supposed to be. Wow. Okay. Which was this guy that was like, yeah, he's going to sling the ball around the yard. He's going to move around when he needs to, but he's really just going to kind of stress you down the field. And he's still going to be accurate enough in the, in the short and intermediate game to pick you apart. If you put too many assets on the back end, Uh, that that's kind of like, there's a lot of quarterbacks that do that, but oddly enough, it's a lot of mobile quarterbacks. He's not quite, doesn't quite have that mobility, but Mm. yeah, more like a, I guess like a pocket Russell Wilson would be how I'd maybe is I still keep coming back to that pocket, like a Russ. pocket Russell Wilson. 
Yeah, I feel like just bottom line, like Penix is one of the, the – the draft is always a gamble. So I think right. that he's probably one of the safer prospects. And when it comes to gambling, like I said, it's never safe. But you know what? There are some services, if you're going to do it, that I just think are better than others. And that yeah. brings us to our sponsor. Real quick, we're going to pay the bills and send it over to FanDuel. We'll be right back. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel. America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, I feel like we could talk about Penix all show, but we got to move on. And I guess the first place that we should go next is the guy that he actually played, Bo Nix, all right? 33 of 44, he threw the ball a lot. 337 yards, two touchdowns, pretty good day. Leading receiver was Troy Franklin with eight catches for 154 yards and a touchdown. Next was Tez Johnson with seven catches for 70 fun, 71 yards, 71, 70 fun, whichever you pick. <laughs> and he will next be playing Washington State. What were your thoughts on Bo Nix? We talked about this. I, I was a little concerned that, you know, I was really going to the highlights to see what were the plays I need to have in my brain from these games. Because yeah. uh, I don't have access to the All-22 quite yet. But it did worry me that uh, there were a couple good downfield throws, but mostly his big plays were all moving outside of structure. Now, I did think he was probably making the smarter plays and some of them were just designed. But at the same time, when you're highlight reel, there's not a lot of you operating from the pocket. That's a concern for me. And that's Bo Nix. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. kind of what this renaissance of his career has been at, at Oregon, rolling him out of the pocket, getting him one side reads, the other thing, and so I, I actually don't have these numbers updated from this game exactly, but you saw it in this game. Bo Nix's average air yards per attempt this year coming into that game were 5.2. 40% of his passes have been at or behind the line of scrimmage, and you saw a lot of it's that Oregon. where <laughs> he's rolling out. Right, he's rolling out. He's throwing in the flat. Like People point to his completion percentage this year. It's over 80%. That should be an alarm was, bell in your head that, some, that someone's throwing a lot of screens. Right. <laughs> Right. So look, I, we talked about the big knock with Bo Nix is his ability to play in big games on the road. He didn't implode road. Nix did not show up. So that's a positive. He did make, there was one back shoulder throw to Franklin. That was excellent. He, he, he threw the other deep, deep ball where Franklin got open off a scheme. He can throw the deep ball on occasion. You're not going to do it as regularly as a guy like Michael Penix. Cause he's not as consistent with it. I, I don't know. He's still like a fringe first round pick for me. If you're a team that feels like you're a quarterback away, let's say, and look, I know he's been out there and like throwing the ball and, and walking around however many weeks removed from surgery, but 
let's say for the Jets, they want to move on from Zach Wilson. Aaron Rodgers isn't an option. Mm -hmm. That's a guy like, all right, he's going to make the right. He, it's a little bit like Mac Jones. Like he's definitely more mobile, but the book on him coming out, I think is going to read very similar to Mac Jones. He's not going to make a lot of incorrect plays. Mm -hmm. He's going to put the ball on guys. If, if he has receivers who can get open, he's, he's going to take advantage of that. I don't know how much he's going to create on his own. He'll create more on his own with his legs than a guy like Mac Jones does. But I don't know how many hits he can take at the NFL level. He's not a big guy either. Mm -hmm. So look, he proved he can win a game on the road or, or he can, he can compete in a game on the road. He needed to do that. He did it against a good defense. Washington's defense isn't quite as good as Oregon's, but they're good. Yeah. I'm, I'm still, I, he's not the answer for the Patriots mm -hmm. for a team that is starting over. You want more upside than a guy like Bonex. You yeah. do. And they don't have the pieces around him to maximize on his floor. He wasn't bad. Like, I think overall, the executives around the league would look at that and say, yeah, he did more or less what we wanted, but he's not somebody the teams that are rebuilding are going to look at. It's more the teams that are close. And I think like the Vikings would be another great example of a spot he could land because you have Jefferson, you have Addison, you have Hawkinson. There's a run game there. I think he's a good fit in Kevin O'Connell's offense. Like, if he goes to the right spot, he'll be a solid quarterback. Mm. But I don't think the Patriots are the spot for him, and, and that game just sort of reinforced it. Real quick, what do you think he has left to prove? So you said he didn't implode. Like road mix did not show up. Do you think right. he still needs to prove that he can play a good defense on the road and actually have success outside of that stuff that you can't really depend on on a consistent basis? Or do you think really there aren't many opportunities or he really just is what he is after seeing what you saw last week? I, I think this is who he is. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And look, he has Utah on the road in a couple of weeks. So mm -hmm. that we, we talked about Utah already, but yeah, I, I just think this is what he is. I, I think he's probably, he comes into the league as a low end starter and that's just who he's going to be in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And unless they're going to let him start slinging the ball all over the yard, which they're not going to do, there's not much more that we can see. And frankly, if they did that, I don't think it would go well. I think it would only hurt his draft stock as opposed to helmet. So I, I think with Bo Nix, the season has been confirming a lot of priors and there's nothing wrong with confirming priors, but he's failed to show me anything. That's like, Oh, I like last year, there was a lot of, Oh, I didn't know Bo Nix could do this. Mm. I was waiting to see if there'd be another year of that with him. And he'd take another step. I think he's more or less been the guy he was last year. Kind of sounds like the anti Justin Herbert where, because of the system he was in in college, he just masked a ridiculous amount of talent that only came out every once in a while. And you're thinking, I'm not so sure. And in hindsight, you're like, I wish we had yeah. seen more. But you're saying with Bo Nix, it's like, no, no, it's okay. They're uh, they're probably doing right by him. Somebody just put in the chat that he's kind of sounds like Brock Purdy. Yeah, that's probably actually better comp than Mac Jones. I think they're okay. Throws a better There's deep no ball than Brock Purdy, and there are those composure issues that even though he's been better still exists or as Brock Purdy is just a very composed quarterback, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's, there's kind of like he's in some, somewhere between Brock Purdy and Mac Jones, I would say. Not terrible, but yeah, definitely. I don't think the Patriots necessarily want it in between Brock Purdy and Mac Jones. If they're starting over uh, one guy, I think they would really like Drake may of number 10 ranked UNC. Beat Miami last week 41 to 31, went 17 for 33, 273 yards. Relatively modest performance, but he did also have four touchdowns. Tez Walker had three of those touchdowns, catching six passes for 132 yards. And the next time we're going to see Drake May, he's going to be facing off against Virginia 
What did you see from his performance against Miami? Because he did have a pretty slow start. Obviously, finished pretty strong, and the score is not even indicative of how one-sided it was towards the end of that game. But do you think it popped up as maybe a concern, or it's, hey, you know, he played a good defense. These things happen. He still came out on top. Yeah, I lean more towards the second. I mm-hmm. I actually think Miami's defense is a little overrated. And that's not to say they're not good. They're 25th in the nation. They've allowed 19 points per game. But you break that down, three points against Miami of Ohio, seven points against Bethune-Cookman, an, an FCS school, seven points against Temple, and 23 points against – and grade 23 is a little – they really shouldn't allow the last seven. That was the coaching issue. But you mm-hmm. look at the one good team they've played, Texas A&M, out of the SEC, they allowed 33 points. So they kind of haven't played anybody. Mm. That being said, for Drake, man, like it, I, I think it's it's a tough spot uh, for him, and I thought he played well. And there's nothing wrong with kind of needing to feel out of defense. For me, though, with Drake May, it's going to come down to that game he plays against Duke in a couple of weeks. And Miami's if Miami's defense is good, Duke's defense is great. They're allowing less than 10 points per game, fourth in the nation. And, yes, they did allow a seven spot to, to Lafayette which is a, a non-FCS team. But you look at what else they've done. Seven points to Clemson. 21 points to Notre Dame. Three to North Carolina State. Like, they've held some good offenses in check. Mm. And that's where I really want to see Drake May. He's it, I almost feel about Drake May's game like I feel about the game Bo Nix had this week. Not necessarily I think they're the same quarterback, but it's, all right, I don't know that I learned anything. He did what he needed to do. Great. I still see him as kind of that hybrid Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. I don't think he's as reckless as Josh Allen. I don't think he's quite as athletic as athletic as Josh Allen. But you talk about the arm. There are shades of a guy like Josh Allen, like Justin Herbert. But I do think he has a little more athleticism uh, or is just a little better with the ball in his hands, more polished as a ball carrier than a guy like 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 Justin Herbert is. I, I still think he's the second best quarterback in this class. I don't think there's a question about it, but. I don't know. I, I I can't get all hot and bothered about him against Miami. I just can't. I don't really believe in what that defense is. I'm going to be, if he tears up Duke, like then, then you get out of control, but at home against that team, against that Miami team, I think he did more or less what, what he should have done. And I feel like I don't want to call Drake May safe necessarily because like you said, he's got the athleticism. Like you're not just getting a pocket quarterback who's going to do his job. Like there's extra outside of that as well. But when compared to a Caleb Williams who we'll talk about, but like did not do well last week, do you think it's fair to say this is really a pick your flavor of who you want as QB one? Or do you think Caleb Williams upside is so high? It's like, no, it doesn't really matter that there's probably going to be some growing pains. He has to be your top pick as long as you develop him correctly. I don't even honestly, I don't even know that it's the upside. I think it's the floor. Mm, I I still have questions about where Drake May's floor is just because he is so young and so raw. It's like I I, I feel like Caleb Williams baseline is going to be decent in the NFL. Maybe he doesn't live up to the uh, like I could see him, you know, being like an Andrew Luck kind of guy. Right. Where Andrew Luck was good, but he never lived up to that like generational prospect thing. I feel like at the very least, you're going to need a quarterback that's going to take you to playoffs more often than not. Caleb Williams. Drake may again, just like he's a young kid and the hype with him is really all upside. Mm -hmm. It is there's he's put to, he only has like a handful of games. You point to where you say there, here's, here's the upside manifesting itself. Now the Miami game was kind of one, but uh, yeah, for me, it's just, I I think not to say Drake may isn't safe. I think that his floor is still good. 
again, I think him and Penix kind of have that same floor, but it's for Caleb Williams. I, I, I think that it, it, it's just a little more guaranteed. And real quick, last thing on Drake May, but he's someone that is regularly, I've kind of yeah. been putting out my propaganda, mostly just because I made a meme and I liked it and I was <laughs> proud of it. So I'm just going to put it out there as much as I can. If, if you're listening to the show, you might've seen it on Twitter, but what are the red flags? Like, what is it about May other than the age where you're saying, uh, yes, like you can get excited about him, but you have to understand he comes with blank. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know that it's necessarily on him. And again, mm-hmm. this goes back to that, that Duke game, like, he doesn't necessarily have that big game win, that defense that you want to see him tear up, that he's torn up. You, you know, you go to last year and some of the better defenses he faced. He was good against Duke, but Duke wasn't really the defense they were this year. He struggled against Clemson. He wasn't amazing against Oregon. He didn't turn the ball over, but he played a very safe game. He was okay this year against South Carolina. He threw two picks. It's is he going to be shell-shocked? You know, if he needs to start right away, which where he's going to be drafted, he's going to be starting right away. How does he handle that that jump in level? And, and where this gets really scary for some people is this is what we said about Mitch Trubisky. Mitch mm-hmm. Trubisky only yeah. started for one season, <laughs> and it was kind of like a you're drafting, and, and Mitch Trubisky shouldn't have been drafted as high as he was for this exact reason. Mitch Trubisky, you were drafting purely on spec. He didn't necessarily have that signature win. He hadn't torn up an SEC defense, anything like that. But it was like, man, we like kind of what we see in the flashes. Now, the flat, the flashes for Drake May, and Drake May's detractors will compare him to Mitchell Trubisky um, and to Sam Howell. The flashes with Drake May are much more significant than they ever were mm-hmm. with Mitchell Trubisky. He has shown a lot more. And he is going to have chances to face some, again, Duke, We'll see who they play in the bowl game. Uh, uh, if they get a chance in that situation, if the, if he gets a chance to face an elite defense like that, even if the, maybe they sneak into the college football playoff, who knows? Mm-hmm. And maybe he gets a shot at like Georgia or something like that. But oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> to, to me, it's do you trust his mental makeup? And this comes to the part of the, the draft that we can evaluate Taylor. And that's what it's like mm-hmm. in the meetings. Do they trust the mental makeup where, He's going to have a hard goal of it as a rookie because it is going to be a jump in competition. Do you trust him to handle that? Or is that going to be too big for him? That, to me, is the big question with Drake May. I don't know that it's anything about his game individually. I actually think, for everything I just said about his floor, and this is kind of what I mean about his floor, he is, it just as a as his skill set, he's the most well-rounded quarterback in this draft. I don't know that any of his traits individually are the best trait among the quarterbacks, right? He has a great arm. I don't know that he has the best arm. He, he He's mobile, but I don't know that he's the most mobile, right? You go through like that, but he might be the second best at everything. Mm-hmm. And there, I, there's just not a lot of flaws in his game. It's just, I got to see it against another level of competition to see how he handles that. All right. Well, we will see, but still exciting prospect. We're going to move on with the quarterback that he beat. Uh, well, technically he beat their defense, but you know how that goes. Tyler Van Dyke of Miami, who actually dropped from 25 because of the loss. Van Dyke went 31 for 48, 391 yards, four touchdowns, but he did throw a pair of picks. Jacoby George was his leading receiver with six catches down, but Xavier Estrepo had himself a game as well. 11 catches for 96 yards and two touchdowns. Then Brashard Smith also got involved. There's a lot of guys involved in this one. Three catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. He's going to have a big test coming up again in Clemson. 
So I actually thought that Van Dyke had some impressive throws. Like I said, he had the interceptions. It wasn't a perfect game, but he showed some anticipation. He had some good downfield throws. So I was pretty intrigued by him. Is he somebody who maybe helped his draft stock because of the good plays that he had? Is it pretty much the same because it wasn't a consistent performance? What do you what do you see there? Yeah, that was pretty textbook, Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, mm. You know, there's going to be again. You talk about guys with flashes, but he he's been doing this for longer than a guy like Drake may, right? Mm. He's in his third year as the primary starter. And this is who he's always been. You've never Mm. seen him really build on this and he's going to be 23 in the draft. And this is, you know, how much more is there to his game? He kind of reminds me of like a less, I should say less mobile. He doesn't really run like, uh, I compared uh, uh, Michael Penix to like pocket Russell Wilson. Mm. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke maybe is like, and and they're both from Connecticut, so people can laugh about that, like a pocket Will Levis. Like he's a big dude. He's a big dude and he has a big arm. So you like that. And and like he's a gamer. I think he's a guy teammates enjoy playing with. I think he's a guy that late in a game, you know he's not going to shrink mentally in the moment, but he's just not very accurate. He's very inconsistent. I like maybe I could see a team take him late on day two. If you have a quarterback coach, you really believe in to maybe develop him as a number two, but I, I, I can't get myself super excited about Tyler Van Dyke personally. Fair. We're not going to stay on that one too long uh, because we have bigger fish to fry with yes. Caleb Williams of 18 USC lost to Notre Dame in pretty tough fashion, 48 to 20. He went 23 for 37 for only 199 yards, a touchdown and three Mac Jones esque interceptions. Touchdown reception was from Brendan Rice. And the next time we see Caleb, he's going to be going up against Utah. So it's not going to get much easier. What do we make of this performance? Was this just a blip on the radar where maybe he got a reality check against a defensive line that could really give it to him or was this, you know, a big red flag where you're saying this kind of exposed all the clips you see where he's just living in the back of the pocket and he's getting kind of antsy when there's no one even near him. And you're saying, all right, the outside of stru- play, uh, the outside of structure stuff is awesome, but what's he actually going to be able to do just sitting back there? Although, to be fair, his protection didn't, didn't give him a lot of help either. So there is something to be said, and a lot of people were quick to point out after this game that, hey, you know, Patrick Mahomes once had a three-interception game, right? doesn't mm. write you off as a prospect, and it doesn't. But there is – the interesting angle to this is Caleb Williams has played his whole career at Oklahoma and Utah. Warm, dry areas. He went up to South Bend. It was wet. It was cold. It was windy. And he struggled. Specifically, if you're talking about a team like the Patriots, I think that comes into play. Now, I think his head coach, Lincoln Riley, was a big part of that. Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma, USC. I don't think the team as a whole was prepared for that setting. But it is a little eye-opening in that regard. Look, it it was one bad game. That that Notre Dame uh, defense is good. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Caleb Williams isn't uh, the number one pick in the draft after that. Mm -hmm. I don't. I'm not, but showed that he is human. It did kind of emphasize some of those flaws. And again, he's, we talked about before, maybe he's not, maybe we need to take a step back from like the Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck comparisons. Maybe he's not quite in that class. I think he's the best quarterback that's come out since Lawrence. It's not saying much given the quarterbacks that have come out the last few years, but 
maybe we do need to take a step back on him, but I'm still, you know, if I'm one, one at the podium, it's, it's Caleb Williams. I'm not even thinking about it now. Again, I, I say all of this. I put the disclaimer on all my quarterback talk to this point. I don't have the full picture. I don't have all the information. There's still games to be played this weekend will be very, very interesting when it comes to Caleb Williams. What is it exactly? Cause you know, again, I'm, I'm still learning college yeah. football. What is it that makes Utah's defense so intimidating and how do you think he actually matches up? So I, Utah runs a, a, a lot of, and, and, and Taylor, this, this, like, you know, I'll, I'll kind of bring this to just you as you, as you study the games, um, college football defenses in the last five, 10 years have become very vanilla. Everybody's playing, you know, a, a version of the Fangio defense or kind of that Saban Alabama thing. There aren't many teams that scheme it up on a high level. Kyle hmm. Whittingham, he gets in the lab, man. He draws some stuff up. This looks like an NFL defense. They're going to do some things that you're not going to see most college teams do. And it's been interesting against Williams specifically. So the two games last year, the first game, he completes 60% of his passes for 381 yards and five touchdowns. So you're sitting there playing. Oh, wow. He played pretty well. Well, Utah as a whole only put up, uh, or sorry, they, they, they put up 43 points, but you know, late, late in that game, he's, he's struggling to make, make the key plays. Right. And this has kind mm -hmm. of been, it's almost Belichick in. They'll give Caleb Williams what he'll get, and then that brings us to the yes. And that game was also, by the way, played in Utah, cold-weather environment. Then you go to the Pac-12 championship game last year, the second meeting. Caleb Williams struggles a little more in this one. He did throw for 363 yards, three touchdowns, did have a pick. But again, 360 yards, three touchdowns. USC only put up 24 points. They're stopping them in the red zone. They're stopping them on third down. They're making the plays when they have to make the plays. And I think that's where you see Kyle Whittingham in that defense where they really go to dial it up and they give some of those more complex looks and the, some of those more high level looks. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle Caleb Williams this week, but what first and 10, he's going to move the ball mm -hmm. when they get in a third down, when they get into the red zone, when the game gets late and it's close, what are they showing Caleb Williams and how is he handling it? That is something I think a lot of NFL teams are going to be looking for this week. I'm going to have to get my hands on the all 22. I don't know how, I don't know who I'm going to have to pay, but I am going to have to get it so I can appreciate <clears throat> both sides so of the matchup. If you can get it, if you can get it just from the, the PAC 12 game last year, maybe it's easier to get the old tape okay. um, and watch that. It's just, it's a fun, it's a fun watch to kind of see how they handled them. Do like my advanced defensive schemes. All right, but now we're going to move on to the quarterback who beat him. Sam Hartman bounced back from a loss against Louisville with this win. It was pretty modest day, 13 for 20, 128 yards, two touchdowns. Chris Tyree caught two of those catches for 62 yards and a touchdown. Hartman's next game is going to be against Pitt. What did you think about the game that he had against USC? And what do you think about the game and matchup that he's going to have against Pitt? I, look, I like Sam Hartman. He's a really good college quarterback, but that's what he is. He's a college quarterback. He's going to be 25 years old when camp opens next year. Uh, he's six foot one. He's not a big guy. He's limited physically. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, he's he's smart. He reads the field well. He's got a little bit, uh, you know, that he can make plays with the ball in his hands. I think he'll be around the NFL. He's going to be a, a day three pick. 
He's going to be around the NFL for a long time as a backup. I kind of get that like Chase Daniel vibe with him. Uh, but he's not being asked to do much in that offense. I He was kind of a gunslinger at Wake Forest, and it was hit and miss in an ACC conference that wasn't very good defensively at the time. So I, you know, if, if, if Mac Jones was great and the Patriots were out on Bailey Zappi, I would say they got to go get Sam Hartman in the third round and he'll be the long-term backup. I don't think he has much rate or if you're a team that wants to do like the, the old Washington thing where they, they drafted Robert Griffin, the third in the first round and they took Kirk cousins in like the fifth as like insurance. Maybe that's where, where Sam Hartman comes in, but mm. uh, his, his NFL ceiling is very, very limited. The guy there, Audric Estime, the running back, dude's a freaking bowling ball. Uh, he's going to be one of the top running backs in this draft. If the Patriots want to continue to win by running the football and they're not going to pay Ramondre Stevenson, five foot 11, 227 pound Audric Estime, he can catch the ball a little bit as well, in addition to the downhill stuff. Uh, he's going to be, he should be one of the first backs off the board this year. It's not a great year for running backs. I don't think we're going to see any in the first round this year, right? After we mm-hmm. did last year. Uh, not necessarily that we should, but to me, Estime's a guy that that should be up there in that conversation. I, I think he's um, a guy that is, he's that guy. And I, I know like the, the math people, the nerds, the analytics people hate this concept, but Audric estimates that back that like in the first quarter, you're like, hey, he's a great back. Where is he? And then he starts going a little bit in the second quarter and you get into the second half, especially right. Playing up there in South Bend cold night. This is a guy that just yeah. body blow after body blow after body blow into a defense. And then by the end of the game, he's just running through guys, six, seven yards a pop. Cause they're tired of tackling him. He is him and that offensive line are that Notre Dame offense. Joe Alt might be the top tackle taken in this class. Going to be one of the first two along with Olu Fashanu from Penn state who we'll get into. But um, yeah, Sam Hartman to me, Fun story, guy who uh, was was good at, at Wake Forest, had a medical incident, almost a medical issue, almost had to leave the game, able to come back. Now he's winning football games. That's great. I'm definitely rooting for him. I don't mm. necessarily just see the NFL element in his game. It is what it is sometimes, but he had a right. really good win against a good college football team. We'll give him that for right now. All right, one more quarterback we're going to talk about before we get to your sleeper pick which I'm excited yeah. to hear about. J.J. McCarthy of number two ranked Michigan beat Indiana 52 to seven, went 14 for 17 with 222 yards and three touchdowns. Leading receiver was Colston Loveland, who caught three catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. J.J. McCarthy's next game, rivalry game, Michigan State. Now, I, which one do we want to talk about more? Are we talking more about Indiana, they got blown out, or are we going to talk about the rivalry game and what that means for McCarthy and his draft stock? Yeah, I, I don't know that, frankly, we need to talk about much of either. Uh, <laughs> Michigan State, obviously, they've had their issues with Mel Tucker. They're kind of a program in flux right now. Indiana just isn't good. I, I'll, I'll say this about J.J. McCarthy, Taylor. You look at the last four games, all-conference games, pass attempts, 21-16, 2017. The 222 yards he threw for against Indiana were the most in any of those games. Uh, he doesn't really do anything. Like, he's <laughs> – that is a ground-and-pound, old-school Big Ten offense. Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, great running backs. Like, McCarthy's kind of athletic, which I think is why people like him. But mm-hmm. he's 21 years old. He's never been asked to really lead an offense. He doesn't throw the ball a lot. There's concerns about his durability. He's on the smaller side. We don't know what he looks like reading a defense. Like even the passes he makes are generally pretty paint by number. 
there's upside there with his athleticism. There is upside, but I, it's just impossible to know what he is because Michigan just completely babies. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. They're trying to win football games and that's how they do it. That's what their roster is built to do. But the people talking about like, like JJ McCarthy in the first round, I, I don't know how you can be that sure of him as a pro prospect, just with how little we've seen from him. And Mm -hmm. something people like to point to is, well, look, he got Michigan in the playoff last year, but it was the same thing. It was Blake Corum. He didn't really do that much. I, there's some, like it's, it's Jimmy Garoppolo ish in terms of like, he's won a lot of games, but how much has he really contributed to those wins? I think it's really hard to pin that down. So that's a team to me, like JJ McCarthy, if it was 2017, 18, 19, Brady's still here, but he's towards the end. That's when you draft a guy like JJ McCarthy and you say, all right, he's going to have a year or two to kind of develop behind the scenes. Um, or like the Packers with Rodgers, like if, if there's a team like that, that knows that they, they know they need a quarterback in a year or two, but they definitely don't need a quarterback right now. I use the analogy before with the Jets where like, if they know Rodgers isn't coming back, the flip side of that, if they know they have Rodgers going to be healthy, they have one more season of them. JJ McCarthy stylistically is a little similar to Zach Wilson. That would make a lot of sense. Like you take JJ McCarthy on day two and you let him learn from Aaron Rodgers, but he is not remotely close to, I I don't know. Like I don't, because I say this and people, he's going to be, watch, he'll be good in five years. And people say, oh, you said he wasn't going to be good. I just don't know. I haven't seen enough. If you think you've seen enough of him to be confident, great. I just think you're kidding yourself. You're probably just a big Michigan fan. But <laughs> I, I I like the, the game for him to me is going to be Ohio State, the game. Okay. Because they're just, I mean, it, it's it's a good defense, obviously, and it's a good team to begin with. But there aren't a lot of teams in the Big Ten that can score. I was going to be in the Big Ten championship game averaging like 18 points per game because their defense is so good. Ohio State should be a shootout. And I need to see what he can do in a shootout kind of game against a good defense. He's in a shootout last year against TCU. The TCU defense wasn't great. I need to see what he can do. And like if he goes toe-to-toe in a shootout with that Ohio State defense, all right, that tells me a lot. But right now, I just – there's – like in Madden, right? When you scout players, it gives you like a percentage of how scouted they are and how much you know, right? Five, ten percent. He's just mm. such an unknown at this point. I, I find it crazy that people are so confident in him. Well, folks, mark your calendars. Michigan, Ohio State. That's going to be the book on J.J. McCarthy. Uh, but now I am pretty hungry to hear your sleeper. I'm actually kind of starving, okay. to be honest. And now I'm just thinking about food, 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 food. And you know who makes some banging food? Our friends at Factor. I'm going to throw it over to them real quick. Pay the bills. We'll be back. Too busy this fall to cook but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. Adjust your stride this autumn without missing a step. Choose from 34 plus weekly flavor packed, fresh, never frozen meals, ready to eat in two minutes. Level up with gourmet plus options, prepared perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. 
Too busy running around during the day to think about lunch? Keep your energy up with Lunch To Go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. Looking for calorie conscious options during the busy season? Try delicious, dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 500 calories per serving. Need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best as you tackle a busy autumn? Try Protein Plus Meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 plus add-ons, including breakfast items like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Or for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. We offset 100% of our delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in our meals. This October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash patsdaily50 and use code patsdaily50 to get 50% off. That's code PatsDaily50 at factormeals.com slash PatsDaily50 to get 50% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Well, I told you, Alex, I'm hungry. Sleeper pick. You have Andrew Peasley of Wyoming. Tell me why. I need to know. So let me just qualify. Like, this isn't a guy I'm saying should be taken in the first round. This isn't a guy I'm saying should be even be taken in the top 150. But if you want a guy, day three, you're trying to find the next Brock Purdy. I freaking love Andrew Peasley from Wyoming. He's not even on most draft boards. I had to double check to make sure he was eligible because nobody's putting him on the boards. He's a grad student. I'd assume he's coming out. Um, First off, off the, the mental makeup, the attitude. It's outstanding. Every single game they're in. And, and I mean, they've, they've played some good teams here. They played Texas Tech at home, beat them. They just lost to uh, an undefeated Air Force team, but not for lack of trying. He drove them down the field late in the game and scored. Air Force just answered. And he's the guy. And it, like, he's their offensive line's not good. He's taking shots. You can tell he's banged up, but he's staying in the game. And that was another thing with Penix, too, I meant to mention. You see him stay in the game and, and take those hits and continue to play through the pain. Andrew Peasley, he's done that this year. Uh, he's just. He, you can tell he's confident. First game of the year, they beat Texas Tech. It's an upset. And he was asked after the game, kind of the team's mentality in the week leading up to that. And his quote was, take them to the deep end of the pool and they're going to fold. And just saying <laughs> something like that, like he's got this swagger to him. He's not the biggest guy. He's 6'2", 218, but he plays bigger than that. And, and, and then there's just the, the game. Mobile. He can move around. He's a dual threat quarterback. Big arm. He can hit throws down the field. Not afraid to step up in the pot, move around in the pocket. Uh, uh, he'll take a hit if it means delivering the ball, all of that. He could be more accurate, but I don't think his accuracy is a problem. He's completing 60% of his passes this year, 
12 touchdowns, which is two interceptions on 142 pass attempts, has another four rushing touchdowns on the ground. My comp for him, and I don't love the comparison sometimes. Like, I obviously waffled on the Penix one. I'm kind of in between players on some of them. Andrew Peasley, if Baker Mayfield went to a school that nobody watched, that is like, I'm watching it. Maybe some of it is the aesthetic. He's got the headband, he's got, you know, all the swag on, but the way he handles himself on the field, the way like Andrew Peasley's never seen a window. I don't think he believes he can fit a ball into um, just a ton of fun. So just a really fun player. To watch. I don't know if he makes it in the NFL or not. I think he would have a chance. I think if he goes to the right situation, has his time, has some time to develop again, maybe there's that Brock Purdy thing with him. Um, but yeah, if, if you're going to go watch the highlights, like, you're going to have fun <laughs> watching him. And Again, he's played some teams this year. I'm not going to sit here and say like he's torn up Georgia or he would tear up Georgia. I don't necessarily think that he would, but you know, he played Texas Tech. That's a good team. He played a ranked Fresno State team, beat them. That was a big win. You were Air Force last week. That team has a good defense. He threw three touchdowns, no picks in that game. Um, he's a fun player. I'd like to see him get his chance. Again, he's not going to, in terms of Patriots, he's not going to solve all their problems. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's like a lock to be an NFL starter, but if you're trying to find this year's Brock Purdy, that guy that's going to get drafted in the sixth or seventh round, and maybe it's not as a rookie, right? Purdy was as a rookie. Maybe it's two years, three years from now, he somehow ends up as the starting quarterback, a team he's on as a bunch of injuries. I, I think he could make some plays. He's a guy that makes plays. Oh, here's where I'm at with quarterbacks. Does the guy make plays? Yes or no? And, and start there. And that's where like I'm at... That's why I'm down on a guy like J.J. McCarthy or a guy like Bo Nix. Mm. I don't know that they make plays. They get the ball to playmakers, but do they make plays themselves? Andrew Peasley makes plays. I'll tell you that. Beyond that, yeah, he's pretty raw, but he makes plays. Andrew Peasley, add him to your list. Look him up on YouTube. I'm sure that out of nowhere, he's going to start trending on Twitter. He's going to be like, what the hell's going on? Why am I trending? Because <laughs> Alex Barth put you in the atmosphere, my friend. All right, that's the last quarterback we're going to talk about. Alex, you've done a fantastic job. I am infinitely smarter, as I always am when I talk to you. We're going to close things out with some must-watch. Well, I, I'd say this, Taylor, too. I, I would just say this before we get to that. And I, I remind people uh, with this in the draft all the time. It's it's a crapshoot, and yeah. I'm telling you what I think. It doesn't. I'm right sometimes. I'm not right sometimes. I'd like to think I'm more right than I'm not. I had uh, Christian Gonzalez, Keon White, Demar Douglas all in the same mock draft last year, but that's not the point. But <laughs> you know, I I'm interested. Like you could watch. You might watch Peasley tonight because you're curious. You might not think he's very good, and and it's a if you if you believe it, if you have like tangible things you can point to, like it's all. This is what I think. This is one person's opinion. I think the great thing about the draft is everybody can kind of. 10 people will watch the same prospect and all have 10 different opinions. So, uh, you know, I, I, my big thing, when people ask me, how should they get into the draft? Just do it. And, you know, people say, where do you, where do I start? Cause it's so daunting. And I get that. Start with the Andrew Peasley. If you want start anywhere, like you pull up a big board, watch the top 10 players. Maybe you have a favorite school, just start watching some of their players. And then maybe you'll notice, you know, you're watching them and guys on the other side of the ball are standing out guys from other teams. And now you're going to go watch them and it becomes that go find the guys with the 10 funniest names and watch them. Like it really can start wherever you want it to start. And that's, that's the thing with me. It's, it's an, it, the draft is a fact finding mission. It's information gathering. The more players you're aware of, the better handle you're going to have on it. So that's kind of where my approach comes from. So it's, 
I, you know, I, again, you're, you say you're smart. I don't know. I might be wrong about some of these prospects. It happens, but you know about them. And that's a significant portion of the battle. You didn't know who Andrew Peasley was before you do now. That's a big part of the battle. Although watch now he like won't declare for the draft, but he should. I hope he does. That was beautiful. I'm using that to promote this pod because that was fantastic. Because honestly, I'm because I'm the one who's always coming to you like, dude, this is scary. I don't know how I'm supposed to watch all these people catch up to date. Or I'm already doing my Pat stuff. And you gave me the courage to even cut up some highlights. So thank you. I hope everybody else is inspired. And I'm sure they will be when this is on Twitter tomorrow. Uh, but before I get you out of here, I do want to hear your must-watch matchups. First one you've got is number seven Penn State against number three Ohio State. Quick hitting thoughts, why you think it's a big matchup and who people should be looking out for. So, I mean, it's it's a big game. The winners, you know, probably has the inside track because they both play Michigan. Winners the inside track to the to the Big Ten championship game in that regard. Tons of draft talent in this one. Uh, honestly, some beyond. So, the, I, ironically, we spent all this time talking about quarterback matchups. Kyle McCord, Drew Aller. This is class of 2025. Mm. Like those are going to be two of the top quarterbacks that they come out down the road. Or they might actually be 20. No, they're 25. They're both redshirt yeah. freshmen. Um, so if you don't think the Patriots taking a quarterback this year, maybe you find some interest in that. Also, if you don't think the Patriots taking a quarterback this year, you got two guys that are maybe three. They're going to be top 10 picks. Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver from Ohio State. A lot of people know about him. He's tremendous. But so is Emeka Ibuka, the other wide receiver from Ohio State. He might be the second wide receiver off the board. We might go Ohio State, Ohio State. So on that end, those are guys to watch. Uh, uh, JT, and I have butchered his pronunciation all fall, uh, Tui Malalu is the edge rusher, you know, Ohio State's next edge guy, right? Mm -hmm. Bosa, Chase Young, they churn these guys out. Um, And then – a couple other top 100 picks for them. Jack Sawyer, another edge guy. Lee, uh, Tommy Eichenberg, who's a linebacker, who I really like. I thought he was going to come out last year. He's kind of that Matt Milano type. Mm-hmm. And and um, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, off the top of my head here. Their other top 100 pick that might interest people, Travion Henderson, their running back's really good. One sleeper on that side, Cade Stover, the tight end. Converted defensive end, big, physical, play, good athlete. He's kind of like if Keon White played offense, right? Because that's the book on Keon White. Oh. Supreme, supreme athlete, but very raw. Cade, you know, great size, great athlete, but he's still learning the position. Cade Stover, there's some of that with him as well. He might be a little more polished even um, as a pass catcher. You know, the route running needs to come along. But he's also a very good blocker. Patriots mm-hmm. are going to need a tight end. Late day two or early day three guy right now. Watch Cade Stover. Part of the reason I stumbled is I forgot I wanted to say the edge rushers last because the big guy for Penn State is Olu Fashanu, the tackle. Yes. He was supposed yeah. to be the number one tackle in the class last year. He was always one guy every year. Big surprise guy goes back to school. This year it's going to be um, uh, 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 Shadur Sanders, even yeah, though the guys yeah. are telling us he's going back. Uh, Fashanu was the big surprise. Would have been a top 15 pick last year as a tackle. It's going to be a top 10 pick now. Uh, just really well-rounded player. I, he's good at everything. So he's a guy to watch again against those great Ohio state pass rushers. And then I don't, I, I don't think the Patriots would take him, but you never know. Kalen King, uh, Penn state starting corner might be the best cornerback in this draft. He is really just big physical man coverage corner. If, if you just appreciate good college foot, like good football, good technically sound football on the defensive side, you'll like Kalen King. And then the corner on the other side, I'll throw this one in too, because I said, well, you know, where do you start? Start with the best names. Uh, Penn mm. State's other corner is Storm Duck, who's projected to be a third. Oh, player. come on. That's incredible. 
Yeah, so he can he can play a little bit. So um, maybe that's me. If the Patriots want cornerback depth, he's probably more realistic for the Patriots. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so we got premium talent at premium positions. I know for Shanu, when I was asking if the Patriots can't get, you know, one of the top cornerbacks, uh, what are they going to go Keon Coleman? If they also can't get Marvin Harrison Jr., people are like, no, it's for Shanu. Like, it's, it's him. That's the guy you want to go for. Yeah. Patriots need a tackle, so one of several players to watch out for. Which, All right, I, next, if I can cut oh, you off real quick. On. Sorry, somebody mm-hmm. just put this in the chat. You nailed it. The 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 Michael Penix comp, I was dancing around. It's Philip Rivers. So he's a little smaller, but Philip Rivers. Rivers, there it is. Let's get them that's that. That's a great one. That's an well excellent done. one. Optic Fanboy 24, well done. That might yeah, be it. If you got Alex's stamp of approval, hey, I'm impressed. All right, There's, next yeah, we I, got. The more I think about that, the more I like it. Sorry, continue. <laughs> You're good. You're good. That was a paradigm shift for you. I'm happy. Yeah. All right, we got 18 USC against 14th ranked Utah. And as you put it, Utah owned Caleb twice last year. So what's going to happen this time around? I'm really interested to see because this is like, this is something you don't see college players necessarily have to do this a lot. You don't face a team twice in a season. Um, you don't, you know, guys don't stay that long. So you may not face an opponent multiple years. This is what you do in the NFL. You face an opponent, you see how they handle you, and then you adjust. Can Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams figure out a way to crack this defense? Forget Caleb Williams as a prospect. Lincoln Riley, for those of you who want him to see him be the next Patriots coach, how does can he crack this? Because this is kind of an end. The way USC is approaching this game, they kind of need to take a, a little bit more of an NFL approach than you would for the typical college game. So that's mm-hmm. going to be really interesting. No real major draft prospects for Utah. Uh, if Cameron Rising plays, he's a guy that interests me, but he's also that kind of day three sort of like a little bit better Sam Hartman. I'd say a lot of the things I, I said about Hartman, about Cam Rising, uh, leader, get on my back kind of guy, uh, isn't afraid to take a hit, any of that stuff, can make some throws, but he is relatively physically limited. Uh, Utah sent a bunch of guys to the draft last year. They're kind of just in between on recruiting. If there is one guy, I'd probably go Jonah Ellis, mm-hmm. big, strong, edge-setting, uh, kind of like a Trey Flowers type. I wouldn't put him nearly in that class, but just that that prototype of player. But that's part of what's so fun about USC. They don't necessarily have the pro talent that USC, Oregon, Washington does, and they're still beating these teams regularly. Mm-hmm. And it kind of it just it it opens your eyes. All right, and for the last matchup before we get out of here, number four FSU against number sixteen Duke. What are we going to learn in this one? Who are we looking out for? All the good stuff. Yeah, this one, I mean, you guys have heard me rave about the Duke defense throughout this show, and they get, you know, this is probably uh, uh, the best defense Florida State's going to face this year. Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson. If you're somebody who likes Jordan Travis, although I wonder if he's leaning back a little more towards maybe staying in school another year, but 
you're going to see some really good offensive players against a really good defense. So this will be one of those games and, and Trey Benson to the running back. This will be one of those games we point to come draft time and say, when, when they face the toughest opponent, how did they do? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a lot in this game. And then I, I just like watching Jared verse. I Duke's offense is fine. Uh, their offensive line's fine. They're not good. They're not bad. They're fine. But mm-hmm. uh, Jared verse and the other guy I, I've been watching, this is kind of just a guy that I sort of have had an eye on is Patrick Payton, the edge rusher opposite Jared verse for Florida state. Okay. The Patriots have had this draft tendency in the past where they'll watch one player who's like a high profile player. Um, I'm trying to remember who the linebacker was from Wyoming that year. There was a big picture linebacker from Wyoming. Patriots didn't take him, but in watching him, they found Cash Malawia. Mm. And they kind of said, you know, he kept standing out on tape and we were watching this other guy and they took him. So Patrick Payne's a redshirt junior. He might a redshirt sophomore. He might stay, but really fast, quick, toolsy edge rusher. Sounds today based on reports. Josh Uche probably not coming back. Right. So if you're going to be replacing Josh Uche, I don't know that he's going to be a one for one in year one. I don't know that he's a guy you're going to play 45, 50% of the time in year one, but I watch him. He's a little smaller and quicker than Uche, but it's, you're right. Like you, you were exactly right. When you said that there's a role for Patrick Payton in the Patriots defense. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy you can probably get mate late day two is probably his ceiling. It's probably going to go somewhere in that 100, 150 range. You get him, you bring him in. There's a role for him. He's going to play. I watch him as a potential Patriot for sure. All right. And once again, also with Josh Uche, maybe having somebody on tomorrow who talks about some of the trade candidates that could be in Foxborough. But for now, going to give you the rest of your night, Alex. Thank you so much, as always, for dropping your fantastic knowledge. We'll be checking in with you again soon. But everybody knows who you are at this point. Like We're no strangers to the real Alex Barth. Your handle's already up there. I'm just going to give you the floor to plug any of the fantastic content you got coming down the pipeline. Yeah, 98.5 The Sports Hub. It's all going to be right there. And then, obviously, Patriots Beat Podcast on, on CLNS and Catch 22 with Evan Lazar Thursdays on Patriots.com. Awesome. And I thank you. There's no chance Evan will let me talk for an hour about college football. <laughs> this has been an absolute treat. I mean, you're thanking me. This has been a ton of fun. Even got to talk just some real college ball stakes, nothing about the draft, but just big games this weekend. And I, I love that you're loving it. I, I've tried with Evan. Uh, I've tried with so many people. We're like, ah, just like be a fan of college football. It's fun. And you seem to be giving it a shot. So I really appreciate it. I'm embracing it, man. I also just love to see you excited. Like it gets me excited. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm not a huge college football fan, but maybe I am. I don't know. But <laughs> thank you, buddy. And you set all these expectations pretty high and all this hype. So I'm just going to have to bring you back in soon and see what you think about this weekend's matchup. But, uh, yep, that's going to be it for us. Thank you all for tuning in with your comments, your your analysis that even helped out Alex, who already has all the good info and whatnot up there. Uh, but thank you again, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We will see you next time.